Here we go. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic special episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always. Who's, he's always here. I'm, yeah. He's never left us, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, with a special guest in the studio today, Josiah Baker. Welcome in studio. What do you got there, Josiah? Oh, this is the first product placement of the hour. Uh, this is Tailgate <laughs> Brewery. Peanut butter milk stout. It is delicious. It is smooth. It'll make you smack your mother. That's good. <laughs> that's why. I, that's how I choose my beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Except uh, in Tennessee, we say smack your mama. Yes, <laughs> so, true. It's mama. Uh, Josiah, <laughs> give give everyone an introduction so they know who you are. I was going to say that you were the chair, though. But why, um, why don't you tell everyone what's going I, on? Uh, I am. I'm the guy that knows a guy. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of things. A bit of a Swiss Army knife. Um, chair of the montgomery county libertarian party um involved in for all tennessee on the staff slash board whatever you want to call it here in tennessee uh one of the mises caucus state organizers and uh pretty deeply involved with those guys and now uh lp national go team nice moving up what are you doing with lp national um rubbing its shoulders and giving a full support and cheering He's the LP whip. That's what I call him. He's out there whipping votes. That's his job. So The the majority whip. So you were out in Reno. That's what we're going to be talking about is what happened out there in Reno. Uh, We got some questions in the group also for everyone uh, who's listening at home. We're going to be asking some questions that the uh, people in the private Discord who got there by going to joingml.com and paying us a little six bucks a month so they can hang out with us live and help us fix our audio issues all types of stuff like that so anyway i need to make an announcement first okay before okay we get go started. ahead that's fine so well and josiah's going to tell us a lot more about it but everyone knows and i'm sure you talked about it a little bit nate that the mises caucus did take over the entire libertarian national party they uh they won everything and i have been i haven't really been like involved i would say i've been kind of watching from a distance just to see what plays out and i decided today uh to sign up as a member of the libertarian party both for the state of tennessee and the national party look at that for the first time so like i said josiah lp whip that's exactly walked in here and um now you did. No, never mind the fact that he held a gun to my head. And said, you <laughs> I was must. about to ask you if you were under duress <laughs> when you were signing up. <laughs> he said you must sign up, and uh, so I did to save my life. But uh, I'm kidding. I still have not, but we'll see how this episode goes. No, I, um, I, I, I actually, I truly believe in a direction that the Libertarian Party is going, and I actually like. Uh, I listened to Michael Heiss on Tom Wood's show recently. Uh, and he talked about what the LP is going to be focusing on. And I am I am in line with that. And I think Josiah is probably going to give us some more insight to that. Yeah. So let's let Josiah do that. What is what's going on? What just happened for all the what's people the Mises who don't caucus? know? The Mises, the Mises. I've heard it all. Mm-hmm. Um, in a nutshell, like I literally just had a meeting with a gentleman in Lawrenceburg who's on the election commission for the state. His wife is vice chair of the Republicans. They are now renouncing their GOP membership to join the Libertarian Party because of this. Um, 
and uh, I'll answer the questions just like he asked with with the Mises Caucus. What is this? Um, if I had to say it in a nutshell, it is the Ron Paul Revolution 2.0, but with future generations in mind. Um, I personally, just like you guys, I was not an LP guy. Um, because if I'm, you know, no shade thrown anywhere or possibly, <laughs> I was the kind of guy that would, uh, you know, I would read books, I would watch all these videos, I would watch the debates, and I would talk to the fa the friends and the family and build this rapport, and then come Thanksgiving or Christmas time, sit around the table and talk, and they'd Google something and go, okay, what's up with this naked guy on C-SPAN? What's this, huh? And then, boom, all your credibility is gone. So I just, I wouldn't join. I was like, I'm not going to wear clown shoes to talk these principles. I'll just live in my own little universe outside of it. And I didn't get involved with the party until about a year and a half to two years ago. I looked on Facebook. Like yourselves, I was involved in, like, touring music. I used to tour manage for a career with a lot of, like, progressive rock and metal bands. And progressive you mean like left-wing rock absolutely left-wing <laughs> rock yeah <laughs> there's my dad joke yeah for the, the, day. The, the only progressive i like is in my music we call but, that butt rock <laughs> yeah bedazzled gene rock yeah that's yeah. what that's called <laughs> now did you, was there sponsorships I, with affliction uh, when you were doing that no but was it the buckle because they carried affliction mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> no it's, the i only did a couple butt rock tours because the money was good and i got to see tool at uh like rock on the range and stuff and so go. i took that tour but like i used to do like the grunt like the awful van tours you know six bands disco loadout we got a dj hard stop at 10 but but apparently along the way i became facebook friends with some guy who i looked on facebook and i was always like a street teamer og guy because if you didn't sell tickets for shows you didn't eat and so i was a habitual spammer of tours for artists that i worked with and I looked, and this guy kept posting all this, like, like all this Ron Paul stuff and all this in the war stuff and in the Fed. And I'm like, who is this guy? And I reached out to him, and he's like, hey, man, uh, apparently we were Facebook friends from a concert in Baltimore or something. Uh, my name's Michael Heiss. This is what we're doing uh, with the Mises Caucus. We want the Libertarian Party to, to represent libertarianism and be a welcome home base for everybody that believes in our views. And we're tired of the, the gatekeeping and and." And I was like, oh, where do I sign up? And and literally, dude, I hit the ground running. Um, and it's been so exciting to see the community aspect. There's a there's a tangible energy that that comes with getting together with people that will literally die for these beliefs because it's so important to us. This is not a Twitter hashtag for us because we did an uphill climb and a battle and being able to to be in the in in those circles and in those rooms and watch it organically swell and grow and then infect people who don't believe in this but they realize they do it's been amazing man it's been completely organic that's awesome i used to hate similar to what you were talking about earlier you'd always tell people like oh well, what do you believe in and it's like well i would consider myself a libertarian but i'm not not the party yeah <laughs> Because, Small L libertarian. Because the messaging was so awful, oh. especially considering what happened. I mean, let's like look from 2016 on, really, mm -hmm. um, with the whole Gary Johnson Bake Bill Weld yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. And then literally not do, saying anything about lockdowns and how tyrannical the government was becoming in the last couple of years. And so, yeah, it, it, it was sad in a way to be like, okay, well if you look at the philosophy and the ideology of libertarianism, like that's what I believe in, but I don't want to be associated with the party. I, I was so libertarian. I didn't want to be boxed in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
with a, with an ideology with a party that wasn't aligned exactly with what libertarian beliefs actually were and so i felt inspired i, f- I felt inspired and signed up today this happened a couple hours ago i love i'm it. a fresh libertarian first time's always special you might bleed or cry a little bit but it's okay. special yeah i i have I fe- i'm feeling something i've yes to decide i was a member and then i let that lapse in 2020 because i was so uh, I was so upset about the messaging during 2020, or the lack of messaging. Yeah, I was going to say what messaging. Yeah, there was, <laughs> and then there was some particular messaging that I also just found to be uh, pretty annoying. Um, it's, it, you know, where where do you think they went wrong uh, with all that messaging, and what do you think's about to to change? Do we have enough time for that? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's this. There's this thing that happens in Beltway Libertarianism, and for those of you that don't know, Beltway Libertarianism is there's a huge concentration of regime libertarians that live in this beautiful bubble called Washington, D.C., and their idea of growing this movement is licking a finger, sticking it in the air, and seeing what D.C. says and says, oh, can I neuter and tailor that message so that it basically says, please, sir, can I have some crumbs of liberty, please, because I'm riding your coattails. And, and it's just – it's gross – and we don't want any of it, and it's just not it's 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 lefty pandering, honestly. Yeah, it's this weird Sam's Choice Cola version of liberty that we don't want any part of, and it tastes exactly how it tastes, and nobody wants to say it out loud until you know things have changed. And and and, it, and I understand why you left. You sent a market signal. You yeah. sent a market signal to the party, as did so many that are like, you don't stand for what I stand for, and that's fine. But we've seen an influx of guys like yourself and people on the Discord who are like, wait a minute, all of a sudden I'm seeing a, tweets that, that are what I would want to see tweeted. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's beautiful to see people come home and locking arms because we got a big nasty state out there to fight. <laughs> I'm, I struggle to figure out what they thought, what the plan was, like reaching out to people on the left and thinking that people on the left were going to somehow join the Libertarian Party. It, it would have to really only be because you hated the Democrat and Republican Party so much. But doesn't it matter if you wouldn't it matter also that you have like Libertarian principles, like private property, self ownership, you know? I view things through software aspect, ironically, even though I'm a tech boomer. So. I think um, the program that is running in the background is collectivism, and you don't realize that because traditionally lefties or you know your middle liberal folks they view things in groups, and I think certain people will feel comfortable with that type of thing, which is why they always call Mises Caucus people's this ugly collectivist, herp derp, right wing whatever. They view things through the lens of collectivism instead of individualism or groups of individuals, so they they look at that. And they, they're like, we can tap into this because they agree with us on so much. And honestly, we want the same end result. It's just, hey, we'll be we'll be the cool kid and pop the collar and say, hey, we just want this this result. We want everybody to have mandated vaccines, just not through the government. <laughs> you know, and, and it's and it's like you want the same result, you have slightly different tactics, but you also really want to fit in with the cool kids over on the establishment left. And you don't realize these people hate you and want you to die. Yeah, I, I've seen some people not understand that, too. Like, they, they think, well, the Republican Party, they're so hated by people on the left, uh, um, so we need to push towards that. But the only reason the left 
hasn't turned all their sides towards libertarian parties because they haven't been relevant enough for them to do that. You think, I mean, look at what they say about Republicans and look at what their actual policy proposals are and then imagine what they would say about a relevant libertarian party later on down the road. Look at the Republicans that just voted for gun restrictions in mm-hmm. Congress. You yeah. know, it's it's one of those things. And you're right, a, rele- a relevant libertarian party, I mean, it's basically been controlled opposition for a while. You get a few marginal episodes here and there in presidential cycles, and that's it. Well, this past week, I don't know if you've seen it, but all the classic hit pieces, actually, Southern Poverty Law Center did a hit piece. It was a very nice Mad Libs copy and paste <laughs> hit piece from somebody's B-list email server. That, and, and then you see Salon do it. You saw the National Review do it. You see all these articles, and it's literally just the names have been changed. We're all copying off of each other's homework, but it's great. It's a market signal because the mainstream media outlets um, that generate click revenue, and that's it, they're attacking the Libertarian Party in a non-presidential cycle after a massive sweep of national. That sends me a market message that, oh, my gosh, that's, relevancy is that's here. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Keep the attacks coming. Yeah, because any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's like Trump. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like the Daily Wire has been attacked recently mm-hmm. for their oh, yeah. danger to the democracy. Mm-hmm. By the way, of course having, they having other voices. That's what dangerous. does democracy even mean now? It's such a non-word. It, what do, what it do must you? mean one narrative. <laughs> I don't know what it actually means yeah. when they talk about it. I don't, I have no clue what it. it Because they're not talking about, okay, democracy, what we have as democracy is like everyone has a right to vote, right? Mm -hmm. That you get a say in the people that are ruling over you. But now the vote has to be the right vote. But yeah, yeah. and now be democracy. And (laughs) so now they're going towards the the majority rules uh, democracy, I feel like, except for when the except for when the majority is not in favor of what they want, then that's also against democracy at the same time. It's very ironic. (laughs) It's weird. All right, Josiah, you mentioned you mentioned Ron Paul, uh, Ron Paul 2.0, mm-hmm. essentially, is kind of like what this <laughs> Mises Caucus movement was or is, mm-hmm. right? And I, so I do. I want to ask a tough question here, mm-hmm. which is like, what's what's going to separate this new movement, let's say, from Ron Paul? Because like you're you play music, right? So let's look at this as like, are you taking my example right now? I am. Yeah. Cause I, God. you're too afraid to ask it. So I'm going, to. I actually had decided to not ask exactly. it. Exactly. That's why I'm going to yeah. do it. So <laughs> like, you know, how did he know if there's a, a Led Zeppelin, a Led Zeppelin cover band, it's never going to be <laughs> we as all good. Know the band name you're mentioning, by the way, <laughs> it's true, but it's never going to be as good as, as Led Zeppelin. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. Can this movement, it's not going to be as good as Ron Paul. So what's going to separate it? What's going to make it different? What's going to make it better? Is Mises even? a Ron Paul cover band? <laughs> right. That's what I want to know. That's a great reference. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember I, I toured with his virtuoso who used to play lead guitar and keyboard at the same time for Steve Vai, right? And I managed him for three years. And he never listened to anything. You could ask him on tour about, hey, man, what new bands do you? Th-? And he's like, I don't listen to that. Uh, he's like a, listening to Chopin and stuff. Um, and I asked him one day, I'm like, what inspires you? Like, what do you do? And he's like, look, look it. That's how he talked. Look it. He go, if you want to get inspiration, you don't compete with your peers. You don't, you don't live on this plane. You compete with the people that inspired you. That's who you're competing with. And he said, and so, so what he would do is listen to the people that inspired him. And he always tried to out inspire them for whoever else and whoever caught them. It's like the old parable 
you know, some seed was sown in the gravels and some seed was sown in fertile soil and some seed the birds came and ate. And with the Mises Caucus, with the full plan, which, by the way, our, our now national LP chair, Angela, has a phenomenal uh, high-resolution resolution document you can read on this plan. The plan is simple. The plan is to create organic inspiration in your current, your previous, and your future generations for the liberty aspects that we want to see and our beliefs. We do that multiple ways. You do that by when you run big candidates like presidential, whatever, you inspire people and infect them with ideas of liberty they did not realize they believed. That is up here in this spectrum. You inspire people just like Ron did for numerous people. And then simultaneously, while you're jazzing up the masses, you're running tactful, winnable local elections at city, county, sheriff, school board. You're doing that locally because people all of a sudden are more receptive to libertarian ideas. The only way you get more libertarian elected officials, which we want, is by inspiring them and speaking principle to power and no longer in a vacuum. I mean, when you talk about the Ron Paul days, he used to get blacklisted on CNN, Fox News. Like, we've all seen the, the cut-ups of uh, John Stewart talking about oh, yeah. Ron Paul. He's right here. Why aren't we talking about it? It's like him? the 13th floor of a hotel. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So... That so he would just speak for eight hours on C-SPAN yeah. every day. <laughs> just yeah. go off on the you, floor. You can't do that anymore because realistically the traditional corporate media is is antiquated now. I mean, Tucker Carlson leads the ranks with, what, $3 million, which is dwarfed by a C-list episode of Joe Rogan farting in a mic for three hours over MMA? <laughs> like, when you're talking about our libertarian-principled people can go on, you know, Bet David's podcast or can go on Rogan or Tim Pool can go to and break any third wall any given time they want. You simply cannot deny liberty now. Liberty, like water, flows to the lowest points in the information cycle, and it's doing it now, and you can try to put a thousand fingers in the dam, and it will continue to spurt out. You can't stop it now. It is viral. Well, I think, and, and I want you to confirm this for me and see if I'm on the right path. That's what I want, um, is because I'm, I'm kind of getting this idea that what this new inspiration is, is it's it's a liberty or death inspiration. It's we're not going to capitulate. No. It's in the damn wars yeah. and nothing else. We won't accept anything else. In the lockdowns and masking and mandates and all that, we're not going to accept. No, There's no two weeks to flatten the curve. No. There's no nothing. Is this... Is that the inspiration that we're going off of? Similar to Ron Paul, but I think maybe even further than yeah. Ron Paul, which is like, we're not going to capitulate on any measure whatsoever. It's either liberty or we're not accepting it. It is. It is a... It. I had no bones about it. We are radical. And everybody sitting in this room and listening is probably on a federal watch list. Domestic, John, John <laughs> so Brennan, radical domestic yeah, terrorists. John Brennan told us this. Uh, very, very distinctly on his on his uh, episode on the news, we are included with every other extremist group. I own it. I wear it. I wear it as a badge of honor. If it gets me on a no-fly list, I guess I better gas up the truck. But but you're right. It is principled, and honestly, it's taking a playbook from the left that has won for centuries. You aim for the farthest point, and you watch the middle concede, and you move, and you do it again. And you do it again. And look at look at every institution. No one denies the left owns every institution except the left. Like, we all know this. So I'm radical. I want this. I'm sorry. The state sucks. I want it gone. Okay, well, we'll concede the ATF. Okay. 
still want the state. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's that tactic. It's a proven tactic through history. It's a negotiating it, tactic. It is. Yeah. So you're saying that the Mises Caucus is inspired by Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. <laughs> it's, a it's a beautiful book. I didn't write it, but you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's 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 honestly outside of the liberty vacuum. It is it's a study of human nature, the way humans respond. I mean, we're all married here. You know how those arguments go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can sit here and tout it for liberty, but if I'm in an argument with my wife, I'm going to concede. <laughs> I didn't put the dish in the sink. I'm sorry. I'll wash the dishes this week, you know. Or, or I didn't. I didn't do this or that. I will concede. I'll be the middle ground, but you know. And I'm not. And, and babe, I know you're not going to watch this, but if you are, <laughs> um, I'm not saying that you're the extremist in the marriage. Okay, just just for the record, <laughs> he's there. the radical that doesn't want to do anything yeah. ever, and it's ridiculous. And we I'm all usually, know that I'm we're all the same way, right, guys? Apologizing for a condescending tone. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I'm seems still waiting for mine. Because what happens is, is typically like if we ever argue and I'm right, mm. then that's when the condescending tone comes in. Yeah, so you, you have one all the time. No, I lose. That's <laughs> I lose every time because even if I am winning, like theoretically, you know, winning. It's like the Bill Burr bit. That condescending tone <laughs> argument comes in. I'm like, okay, okay well, well, question. Let's bring this I'm back. I'm really uh, sorry for who I am. Bring this back into <laughs> politics. We all know that the condescending tone, that that is not a tactic that will work on the on on the fairer sex. And uh, they, they just won't. Uh, well, let's just turn it into a whole sexist conversation. <laughs> oh, bigots. <laughs> I knew it. Is that a viable political tactic? The condescension. I hope it is because that's basically the way I talk all the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, do you think that's a viable political or okay let me reel this back into what just happened here the pragmatic mm -hmm. libertarians I believe I I because I know a lot of them and we've had had them on the show before uh, there's fine people on both sides from what I can tell <laughs> fine people on both sides that's true and what I can actually tell from talking to these people is they actually agree with mm. the, personally all the stuff that you just said, remote, I, I, the people I've talked to at least, and the, you know, they're high, they're high up people, but they believe that there is a difference in the way that you should message that to try and actually reach out to people. And so is the, uh, you know, hit people on the head with a hammer, uh, brazen, potentially condescending, you're an idiot tone. We don't ever do that. Um, it's not like we, it's not like we have an entire episode. Uh, called Dumb Bleep of the Week, where we make mm -hmm. fun of people or anything, and then we make fun of people without that episode title the rest of the week. Uh, but, um, you know, do you think that but there's... we would never do anything like that. Okay, so let me actually phrase a, this in the form of a question. Is there any reason to think that uh, there should be some of what the pragmatic people were trying to do involved in a national party messaging? Just to try and be the, the devil's advocate no, here. Totally. Uh, what you're so I have a ministry background, right? And and I'm a huge proponent of what you're saying. Sometimes is not nearly as important as how you're saying it and when you are saying it, because you have an Overton window that someone has receptive capabilities of what you're doing, and you can be lobbing Brett Favre's all day long, but if that window's not there, is it interceptions or is yeah yeah yeah. Like yeah, you're throwing interceptions instead of receptions for touchdowns. Football reference. For, I forget where I'm talking libertarians. Um, no, I, I don't disagree with this idea. Um, and I, under, I understand, you know, there's certain conversations I would never in a million years 
have with what I consider normies. And understanding and delineating where certain conversations should be taking place versus conversations should be taking abroad. And then, just like I just said, the way you say something and when you say something is important. This is a market signal. We are in a time, the past two years, that a certain percentage of the populace, sometimes within the party, was more than happy for us to lose our house, lose our job, lose our family, and just effing die because we didn't want a certain corporate product. So knowing and understanding the timing that we are in, there are a lot of disenfranchised American people that will listen and understand us on one or two issues. And I'm, I'm a big tent guy. With what we've done with the Libertarian Party in the past week plus, we've created a larger tent and an extended olive branch and building bridges with people who have felt so disenfranchised because, you know what, for a long time they've been, tell, they've been told, do this or die, we don't care. I, you know, I'm kind of, I've, I was talking to Nate about this the other day. I feel like I'm kind of turning towards the other side and maybe, maybe it's because I'm getting cynical about this whole thing. Cause we've been doing this for a long time now. Um, and I, I'm getting so angry at what's taking place. And I think what, what I, what I'm trying to analyze is over the last, you know, four five, six years, uh, I think one of the reasons Trump won is because he actually articulated what all the disenfranchised yeah. Americans were thinking. Like CNN is fake news. Like mm -hmm. he just put a label on it and everybody's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so excited. Somebody said fake news. Cause I've been thinking that for 10 years now, Yeah, you know, and it like millions of people were like, yeah, this guy just says what he thinks. He, he has, yeah. a, he's a voice for all of us. Cause that's what we've all been thinking. And meanwhile, you know, libertarians were like, oh yeah, you know, this, the media is wrong because of this and this and this, and no one wants to listen to that. It's like boring. Right. So I'm like part of me, I understand that you can't, you know, it's very difficult to condescendingly win people over. But I also think what you mentioned there, which is th the basket of deplorables, right? <laughs> They're there. The disenfranchised <laughs> Americans who have no home, who feel like there's no voice, there's nobody speaking up for them, even the GOP now on gun rights and all kinds of stuff. And they're all, they're just wandering in the desert for 40 years, looking for Jesus to come about and give him some pan, some bread. I just came back from Spanish speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Give them some bread, some pan, and uh, and and so I think part of me is like, well, maybe maybe this radical message does need to be not necessarily condescending, but maybe it needs to be a message is like a message of articulating what people are feeling in this disenfranchised state, and that the Libertarian Party now is the home of actual liberty. You know, what? Of actually being free yeah. from your tyrannical government to live your life, send your kids to school without worrying about what the hell they're going to be teaching them and all this stuff. I mean, I, 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 and maybe that's, maybe I'm, maybe I'm cynical. I mean, maybe I am. I don't know. I'm just, I have this feeling about me and I feel, I do feel inspired. I signed up for the LP today. I feel like there's a fire burning and I want to go tell everyone to go themselves <laughs> you want to go more uh new hampshire style uh L lp and your i don't know if i want to go that far brain. i don't know if i want to go that far <laughs> but i do like i'm i'm so tired of having conversations with the people where it's like 
oh, well, you know, like trying to be nice. I'm, I'm yeah. tired of being nice. Can we talk about how we've gotten to the point where uh, talking about how you own yourself and self-ownership and property rights that even we are saying that we're radical? Yeah. That's radical. <laughs> you should be able to make your own decisions for your own life and not be forced or under threat of violence or put in the prison cell or killed by officers or anything. That's radical, man. So Let me radical. tell you what, that yeah. is some crazy stuff. We caught shit at it because we had to define what property and aggression are at the national convention. Um, and once again, this goes back, you know, we'll play a drinking game of every time you hear bigotry. But <laughs> the caucus has always been accused of, of being the boogeyman of bigotry. Um, and my argument against that has been like, like you had this sentence in the platform that people just absolutely 72 bold – Times New Roman font, just read about. And it was this platform plank that just said, we condemn bigotry as irrational and repugnant. Okay, what does that mean? Yeah. I Do I need to read it to you again? And I pull up my monocle and I make you feel belittled because you didn't, you didn't, I declared it. I am declaring <laughs> bankruptcy like Michael Scott, okay? I declared it. I didn't do anything, but yeah. I declared it. So we deleted, number one, we deleted that plank. And uh, we put some teeth in it that we proactively defend the rights of anyone, regardless of identity, sexual, whatever identity you want, fill in the blanks. We defend your, that's a proactive defense of everyone's rights. We did that. And people, and Spike Cohen actually presented that. And people are running around saying, Spike's a Nazi. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't think they realize that he's Sasha's wife. Like, that's his yeah. real tagline. So we, well, they're calling Dave a Nazi, too. It's like, he's oh, a yeah. Jew. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's And it's so dishonest. And I'm at a point now that I'd simply will look you in the face and say, you know, I don't have time for this. I will not engage in it. I have better things to do with my time. And it's, it's pretty clear. Like, I'm, dude, my mom's Mexican. Like, my grandpa was an illegal immigrant born on a train coming into the country. 1960s went to west virginia great place for brown people to go west virginia in the 60s he didn't get to walk on the black or the white side of the bridge in the coal mines all the kids got white names wore long sleeves their entire lives gave white names no spanish lessons whatsoever and so then i get lectured by mfers whiter than larry bird in a cheap suit telling me i'm a bigot I don't have time for you. You're not a serious person. You don't have an argument. You're using a simple leftist dialectic tactic of just splashing words on you in mad lib form because you are a mile wide and an inch deep, and we don't have time for that in the party anymore. The problem is that it, it actually escapes the the principle of libertarian, which is the, the self-ownership, the non-aggression yes. principle, all of that. You can be and we will disagree with you you could be a bigot you could hate people who don't look like you now yeah. i i think you've got some some philosophical problems with your mm -hmm. libertarianism because that is actually a form of collectivism in itself yeah you are creating your collective and saying that your collective is better than all the others i'm ram wrote about this a uh, really good essay on this and so we can disagree with that but if you're not forcing yourself on others if you're not 
doing violent things, taking rights away from people. If you're not doing that, then you're not violating the non-aggression principle. You're not violating other people's rights. You just might have opinions that are on par with thinking Nickelback is a great band, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you and you know, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be uh, allowed at the show, you know, just because you went to a Nickelback show one we time. We didn't have definition of what property was. How can I defend your minority rights if I can't define what property and bodily property is how can i defend your rights if i can't define what property is that's 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 just my argument i'm property rights are are they matter there's a reason thomas jefferson originally wrote it in and it got audited and changed like like that matters man yeah like body autonomy is so important and that drives itself from the from the Mm self-ownership aspect that we talk about all the time all right so you mentioned uh, that plank that was changed the bigotry one uh, to protecting individuals rights essentially um and then walk us through what else happened in reno at the at the lp national convention i i heard that the mises caucus swept every single possible election by a large margin on an average of 70 to 30 by the way so it wasn't even close um and then there was another plank that was struck down i believe as well abortion was uh that's right yeah well just kind of yeah walk us through the weekend give us a synopsis and then we got some questions from the group that we got to run through yeah so the abortion plank is one that that we got a lot of those oh my goodness what is happening responses um and so i had a discussion with a true independent in my county who was a elected county commissioner running for re-election used to be in the libertarian party is now not currently i'd love to get him back in and i asked him uh, a week ago i said hey man because uh, i'm a salesman by trade so i like to you you already got charlie to sign yeah. up for the party i mean you don't have <laughs> been there for five minutes I like, I like to assign so so you say something x matters to you then let's see so a lot of folks that that despise what happened with this plank or with the party say the the purpose of the party is to run candidates and win i'm not disagreeing with you so you said that you that therefore that is assigned your value of what the purpose of the party is and i asked him i said hey man uh we are in a super red state you are door knocking right now to get reelected. how many times even though it is not even in your purview or jurisdiction do you get asked by somebody's door you knock on your view on abortion and he paused and he went 20 to 30 times and he's like, and it's frustrating because I have no, I don't have any say in it. And I'm like, yeah, but whether Americans admit it or not, a lot of Americans are single issue voters because that single issue is how they view you as a person. And so, and then I was like, well, we, we took the abortion plank, which was viewed inherently as a pro-choice plank. We deleted it and replaced it with nothing, which means we now are a true neutral stance on that, which means when candidates go and door knock, and the person's like, oh, Libertarian, let me Google that and see. They can't assign a platform stance to that person, so we leave it up to the individual candidate because we we do think there's instances and whatever. There's good faith arguments. That's fine. But now we leave it up to the candidate to discuss their view. So in his point, 20 to 30 people that now he, if he wanted to be part of the party, he's not assigned to a platform plank. He can have a one-on-one discussion and possibly win 20 to 30 extra voters, local candidates, which you said matter as the stance of the party, sometimes these local elections come down to single digits. You now are equipped with the tool and empowered to go and win these constituents over. So if elections matter, we just made candidates' lives that much easier. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I think it's a good move uh, on the the abortion. I mean, even libertarians are, were split 50-50 yeah. on there's this. There's no consensus. There is, there is no easy answer on this. And like you just said, there's good faith arguments on both sides of this argument. It is not as simple as I think either side wants to make it out no. to be. And I think it is a good idea for the Libertarian Party national to just stay out of it. Now, can the will the states do anything on it, you think? Will, will they set those? States are complete. That's completely up to states. Okay. Um, if we want elected libertarians in the state of Tennessee, I would recommend staying neutral. But that is just my two cents. I am not the chair, and I fully support Dave Jones and our XCOM in our state. So, Okay, I'm going to go through some questions Before you get here, to listen unless, to your question, yeah. yeah, I got one more list. I got one more my question okay and i'm gonna i'm gonna matt walsh you here josiah okay just because i've seen it recently <laughs> which this could go yeah. any direction really what is a woman <laughs> you're actually going matt walsh <laughs> yeah right just, there i just want to know what is a woman? i would i would have to go to a third world country <laughs> tribe to really get an answer to this question um but no um i mean it's 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 you're not a biologist this i'm is not the problem a, right I'm now. not a biologist yeah. <laughs> that's the issue Dude, I don't have. He's time. an LP I, whip. Okay, I, I, he's not LP biology I don't professor. Have, I don't have time for nonsense. <laughs> it's a hardware software question for me. Like, my wife is a woman. It's very apparent. Me and my chubbier days, I kind of looked like one from Fifty Yards. But like <laughs> my longer hair days, I, I oh, would yeah. have made a great woman. My wife. Sure. My wife is a woman. That's a great answer. There That's you a go. Good answer. Okay. Now, some of these are very serious, and some of these are not. And so we will. I'm going to ask. Listener submitted. I'm going to ask every question. That Actually, this here. is live group okay. submitted. By the way, that's the only way you can submit questions yeah. for these type of things. So go, go to joingml.com. Let's see. Sign up. Um, just some of the comments here. Uh, Dave said, as a new Mises Caucus member, he's disappointed at the lack of bigots and misogynists in the caucus <laughs> so far, and uh, that's why he joined. I'm pretty sure. He said, please work on branding to better align with his values i mean uh, and the way that mc prevent presents itself we are working on that i'm just kidding <laughs> uh we did we did have uh charles bird one of our delegates from california who kind of like from 50 yards if you squint he kind of looks like david duke and he got that a lot <laughs> at the convention that was funny um it, it, it is kind of ironic like we had multiple delegates that are trans multiple delegates like the state of florida probably the most that are of non-white descent, to put it politically correct. Uh, Maj Ture is one of the speakers, you know, we've got, you know, we brought out Zuby. But but that's very, I just refuse to be lectured by people, like I said, that are Larry Bird, mm -hmm. um, about how I'm a bigot. When it's it's the same so, thing we see in every other political circle yeah, right now. Everyone you don't lazy. like is, uh, yeah, it is. And now with people are crying wolf so much that you can't even address what could be a serious problem sometimes. Yeah. What if someone actually is a Nazi? Exactly. Like You're a giving real a cover. Nazi. Yeah. And yeah. now they've cried Nazi so many times. And I'm like, okay, I have no clue whether or not this guy's a Nazi. I mean, I think the plan is to disarm Americans and fund the Nazis in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> the, I'm, they're... They're enacting that as we speak. That's the problem with America. We haven't sent enough money yeah. to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. If you were to imagine uh, Costco, one of the live group members in here, if you were to imagine Costco, would you say that he does weightlifting or yoga? Which one would you think? Uh, you have to weightlift the yogis. Okay. That's how you do it. It's, okay. it's, it's organic lifting. I think it's yoga. Um, <laughs> they, I don't, they're just going... 
Uh, this is just going for the ham. group here. <laughs> well, let's see. Magoo, serious question. Do you think the current Mises caucus plan of extending all of branches to their opposition is a good thing politically, or will it stifle the momentum growth of the party? That sounds... Um, well, that sounds similar to what the Libertarian Party was doing to people on the left. Is the Mises Caucus doing that to people on the right? I assume this question is for internal outreach, because um, we do have a, a large chunk of the party that is middle, uh, like the vice chair race. The vice chair race, um, it was a very contested race between Joshua Smith, who had ran for chair twice, uh, big podcaster, love Josh, and Eric Rodsepp, who Angela endorsed. And... This is how much of a – this is another thing with the caucus. The caucus is the Borg. They just vote in voter blocks. Oh, my God. It was so divided that they renounced any endorsement of vice chair and let everybody pick who they wanted. And it ended up being Josh. I'm friends with both. I love Eric. He's one of the most sharp-dressed guys. You probably saw him at the at the state convention. Um, both principled libertarians. But I have zero issues reaching out and communicating with anybody. Like I tell everybody, you know. Um, especially here in the state, I'm more than willing to break bread or, or, or talk to anybody. If we can agree on liberty values, I want you in my party. I'm biased for that. But if we can single-issue coalition build, we will do that too. Well, speaking of coalition build, uh, Trash Panda had a question about your work with For All Tennessee and getting the unanimous decision to pass the civil asset forfeiture reform bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the little wins like this fit into the on-the-train-towards-liberty point of view, uh, kind of what you were just talking about. Dude, absolutely. Yeah. So with For All Tennessee, Justin Cornett, I consider him a close friend. Um, he is a warrior here in the state. He is a true neutral. And I love the fact that with For All Tennessee, you take your shoes off at the door with your partisanship, and we just work on issues. And I will, within the party, I actively promote For All Tennessee. If you're a Mises Caucus member or an LPTN member or a Libertarian Party member, you should donate, support, you know, grab your neighbor's wallet, turn to page 100 and give it, like I used to say and at church. Like, it, it's it's serious because they're doing good work, and there's no reason we can't support in doing good work. If you're in Tennessee, you need to go check out oh, For All dude. TN. Uh, you need to, you know, even if it's five bucks or something, I don't know what their membership is, but... Six dollars, six dollars a month. Inflation. The, cost, the yeah. cost of a Starbucks coffee. You guys yeah. know six dollars very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so right. uh, that's a that's a good one. And, and also, if you're not in Tennessee, uh, find whatever that organization is in your area mm-hmm. and help them out too, because there's probably a lot of Justin Cornettes out there, although not quite as good as Justin uh, at their job. Well, but, I believe the plan is to expand. Exactly. Yeah. To other the, states. Okay, so. nice. Okay. For all Illinois and for all Missouri mm-hmm. and for all Iowa. What else? Do you want to name all of them? Let's see how many states <laughs> we can name. <laughs> all right. Uh, another one here. It looks like uh, uh, Josiah asked himself a question here, which is. Oh, it was a response to Magoo's question. Oh, in there. oh it was. Okay. Here <laughs> Bold we go. messaging. He says, do you ever. So the Libertarian Party tweeted, quote, there can be no socialism without a state. And as long as there is a state, there is socialism. Aggressive violence is the nature of any state. That's a quote from Hans Hermann Hope. Hoppe. Oh, I'm Gosh. sorry. Hoppe. Charlie can't read good. I can't. Please, I hope so, someone. I hope someone puts a triple H GIF in the uh, in the chat there. H H H. Hope. So you said you were going to expand on this. Do you ever think the average anti-lefty right winger would embrace the word of Hoppe? Hoppe is what I. Use. It's funny. Hoppe is a very knee-jerk thing for folks because he has a book called Democracy: The God That Failed. And a lot of Beltway libertarians despise Hoppe because they don't realize, I think, 72 points in the book. He notates that this is not my opinion, but I'm making this discussion an argument. 
and he goes into monarchy and that kind of thing, and how winning the ear of the king might have actually been a net positive versus democracy and society, and how all the major wars and inflation and money problems have happened under the, the guise of democracy than versus the monarch. And that's the, it's a great book. The thing I love about Hoppe is his books are easily digestible. They're very energetic to read. They don't put you to sleep. Some of these books, I love them. They're 10,000 pages, and it's like listening to a phone book. But Hoppe <laughs> is, is short, concise. Um, democracy the God That Failed is great, and he's got a great book on a theory of socialism and capitalism that I'm on right now. They're all on uh, – you can find them at the Mises Institute, um, or you can find them – on um, Audible, but uh, never in a million years did I think the National Libertarian Party would be quoting positive anarchist-based, I hate that term, but based things. <laughs> um, and the messaging, the bold messaging is winning. I think that over 9,000 people in the past week have started following us on Twitter. Uh, I dare anybody to pull up the Twitter since the keys got turned over and find something that is not principled. And we've got people now, you know, I'll quote, quote Hoppe here, Hoppe is a way that I, I reach a lot of people that are disenfranchised with the war state, disenfranchised with the money system, traditional right-wingers who are pissed off and angry. And I'm like, hey, man, read this. It's for the guys that are like, I'm anti-socialism, commie, whatever. And you hand them that book, and they're, and that's a gateway drug. People, it, it's very, it's very short-sighted to think that all of us find liberty the same exact path, you know? And mm -hmm. that's that's – you have to be diverse. Even the founders who fought a war, a yeah. revolution, <laughs> disagreed. Yeah. It's all documented for us to read, by the way. Well, too. I think it's good for the LP Twitter to be posting things like this. You know, you mentioned uh, like a, a ministry type background earlier, yeah. and I was just making a little analogy in my head. And, you know, there's always a balance between preaching to the choir mm. and then there's outreach to try and bring new people in. And I think what the LP did was they complete they they tried to do what they thought was outreach, and they forgot to ever preach to the choir uh, for for quite a long time to the point to where they've lost the choir. They they stopped going. They they forgot to even you know keep going to church. They never reminded the choir why they were there, you know. And so there does need to be a little bit a little bit of that because you need to. First off, we try to balance it sometimes, too. Like, who are we talking to on this podcast? Are we talking to libertarians who agree with everything that we're saying? Or are we talking to Republicans who we think should come over to being a libertarian? Or are we talking to people on the left who are idiots? And so, the you know, which which thing is it that we're doing? In this case, I'm not talking to people on the left right now. Okay, yeah. they they went to a different they went to Pod Save America minutes ago on this <laughs> ten thirty minutes ago they switched and, over. And you know, as as individual as we all are, and as individual uh, individualism that we believe in, there still has to be a sense of community. And mm -hmm. I did enjoy listening to Michael Heiss talk about this on on the Tom Wood Show. Um, and I'm sure you can elaborate on this, Josiah. But that sense of community, that sense of belonging, having a home having a place where people can go kind of like a church thing, right? Where you, where you have a, a thing that you can go. I talked to Nate about starting a Liberty church, like a, like real Liberty church. Like we do an actual meet and greet message every Sunday. And it's like, we're focused on Liberty though. That's pretty much but, what this is, but having, <laughs> you know, but having that community, having that sense of belonging. I mean, I think that even as much as we believe in individualism, that is like a, just a biological, natural thing for humans to have. To deny that is to deny humanity. Um, and there is something 
you know, there was something like we did the Mises bash for that Friday night and there's over a thousand people in there and we have all these speakers and Dave Smith uh, announces that Ron Paul's coming up to speak and you're watching an 87 year old hero of the movement, you know, slowly but methodically coming up on stage and everyone's cheering in the fed in unison. And then he does the, the hand wave gif dude and it was like pro- prophecy fulfilled like I'm, I'm standing there and my, my wife was like laughing at me because i'm the kind of guy like i get emotional over this i'll watch a speech and start crying and she's like you i won't say what she said that i did at that point but uh you get the, you get the biological truth there and uh and it um yeah but it was true and, and to sit around there for lack of a better term, in communion. I love this because people are going to just like <laughs> guffaw at uh, at the at the corniness here. But it's true. You're sitting there with with brothers and sisters and whatever seventy six other genders in a room together, and you're just you're you're breaking bread. You're you're drinking together. You're embracing these things together, and you realize you're not the only one because for so long some of us feel like we're in book of eli or something that we're am i the only one that feels and believes this way is this really it because it was like everyone scattered and the people that say they represented us didn't and now all of a sudden wait the community man it's like every link in the chain every person you talk to you just met a friend for life and now, and, and it's like you don't have enough top MySpace friends for all your buddies now. And it's awesome. And it's electric. And it's something that's not dwindling, no matter how many people try to put the fire out. It's like, it's like watching people try to put out a grease fire with water. That's exactly what this is, man. And it's, it's just, it's energetic. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, that's part of why I joined. I like that sense of community and belonging to me is like, well, it's deeply ingrained. Mm. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, and especially as extroverted, as I have I no am. sense of community or belonging, by <laughs> the way, I'm here for myself to make my own life better. That's it. All right. That's just, right. Just to be clear and the things to the random. And this is something I've talked about on the show too. This is like, sometimes I feel so discouraged. Uh, this is a moment where I feel completely hopeful and it's, I'm back. I'm, I feel like I'm back to like, wow, we can actually like, we can do something. It's white here. pill Thursday. Yeah. Right like now. We, we have a chance. All right, uh, Josiah, send us off with, uh, we got Angela Merkel in the national chair. No, we have Angela McCardle. McCardle. No. Close. You're talking, this isn't Germany. (laughs) Hope, Hoppy, Hoppe, Merkel. Why is the LP chair trying to expand NATO? What's going on? Why do we need to be dependent on Russian oil and gas? Lord. Okay. I guess I need to go back to my other job. (laughs) Listen, that. I can't I thought, do this one anymore. I, what I want is like, what's the what's the future going to look like? Like, what's the plan? Like the 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 seats were won. The Mises Caucus took over. We have all of this fire and energy. What are we going to do with it? What's the plan? We are going to grow our ranks. We are going to run principled candidates because our talent pool. The th- we're huge on division of labor, and that is one of the things that we get kicked back on because for so long communist then yeah yeah (laughs) for so long multiple people have had to wear multiple hats by default because there's not been enough people in our ranks and so now we're getting an influx of talent and so many people in the party we can have principled messaging that we don't we don't waver on we can run multiple candidates with ballot access in all the states and uh, we can actually affect our culture and not just be a spoiler this is very important to me. It's important to everybody here in the party. 
And uh, we're literally just getting started. We're just over a week of getting the keys. And uh, with that, the, the caucus is not going away. You said you listened to Heiss's episode with Tom. One of the things that he harps on, the caucus is not going away. And what's going to happen is the caucus kind of melds into this issues coalition type group vehicle for issues that can be harnessed and towards whatever it is, whether it's gun issues or drug issues. We were able to take the keys of the LP and, and make it principled in this amount of time, third largest political party. We were able to do that. What can we do in your town for your issues? That's the way you know we can work in tandem. The party issues like ballot access, things like that, that is a party thing, and we're keeping it in the party. Division of labor, people are going to gravitate towards their strengths, and it's so nice to see people feel empowered to do what they do and do it well. Do you think a lot of new members came in over the weekend for, for Reno? Oh, God. We we raised over $400,000 as a party with uh, lifetime membership. Now, events. how much of that do you get to keep? <laughs> Add a negative to that, and that's probably my... Uh, <laughs> um, we had so many lifetime members, I lost count at 45. Um, we've had an influx of, of new membership, and people are excited to, to say they're a libertarian again. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost half a million dollars <laughs> yeah. was raised. A lot of quiche, which, which I heard. I heard about. That's pretty cool. Uh, what was like the what was the average budget of the LP? Like some like one point two, one point five. Uh, shoestring and duct tape. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think it was like one point two, yeah, one point five, um, something like that. And it, it, I guess it. You know, I wasn't involved with it, but it, it was it was a great game of how can we piss it away. But I feel like <laughs> I, f- I feel like I mean, just having almost half a million dollars in one little session there, that the, the budget's going to go up. Dude, the treasurer, good. the treasurer Todd Hagopian, is a CFO. That is his. Tr- he is a CFO. He's not strictly a look at my spreadsheet on Excel. He is a CFO who has turned around countless companies. He is a boss, and uh, that was his pitch. Do you want an accountant or do you want a CFO? And that's what we got as treasurer. If that puts it into perspective, so that's it, good. I like it. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to do something we've never done here before. You get to end the show, and we're oh, going to play man. the outro music. All right? <laughs> so this is up to you. Whatever you're going to say to close us out, you just have to say uh, have a, a good morning bigotry at the end of it. Or um, <laughs> liberty at the end of it. Yeah, perfect, to, perfect. to close I it out. Bigotry. <laughs> also tell people where to go to, to, yeah, do, yeah. to do things. Absolutely. <laughs> you can uh, just go to lp.com slash donate dot to org. join. Yes, dot org. That's what I said. <laughs> uh, to, to join the, the national party, you can find me, uh, Jay Sizzle B, on Instagram or in this Discord chat. Um, For All Tennessee is another great organization to follow, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, we hope you all had a great episode. What about Mises Caucus stuff specifically? Mises Caucus stuff. Is I'm that sure. just LP now? Like you just, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> no, no, it, it is a separate party. entity. Okay. Separate. Uh, the Mises Caucus is a separate thing. If you have any questions about that, feel free to message me on Discord. You'll see me in that chat. And uh, we appreciate all that you guys do. And um, it's been a good time here and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>